All right, welcome along to the RTE Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Jallo alongside Anthony Pine of RTE Sport Online. We'll be looking back at the weekend's action in the Premier Division, First Division and Women's National League. And there was also the small matter of an FA Cup final and also a lot of, a lot of action at both ends of the Premier League across Sunday. And we're joined by Carl Shepard and Paul Corey to uh, share their expertise um, across, uh, across the next hour or so. But before we do that, the late, late show this Friday have got a soccer special, uh, a celebration of a centenary of the FAI. So rather than myself kind of explaining what's going to be coming up, here is Ryan Tuberty as he explained it on last Friday's show. What a delight to be able to tell you that Uthran Heron, President Michael D. Higgins, will be live in studio with us here next Friday night. He's a massive... Oh, you're bored thing. <laughs> We've just given you gold. Uh, he's a massive soccer fan, as you might know, so it's fitting then that uh, we'll also have stars from the Ireland senior men's and women's soccer teams in here, as well as senior team managers Vera Pau and Stephen Kenny, and some of the stars of Italian 90 will be here, so it's going to be pretty special as we celebrate 100 years of the FAI, and the music next week comes from uh, David Gray and Dan McCabe, so it's a busy, busy night, our penultimate night of the season. All right, so that's to look forward to this Friday on the Late Late Show, RT1 and the RT player. But from the FAI to the FA and the FA Cup final, uh, Paul Corey, commiserations uh, about Saturday. Obviously, Liverpool winning on penalties for the second time against Chelsea in the uh, in a decider this season as they try at least to win at least three of or three or four of the, uh, of the quadruple. But we'll talk about the Premier League title race very, very shortly. Uh, Paul, like, Obviously, look, Liverpool have plenty to celebrate there, but from a Chelsea point of view, with everything that's happened in the second half of the campaign, like, do you have any concerns about them going forward? Obviously, change of ownership and also just a lot of uncertainty in terms of the playing squad and contracts. Yeah, I'd, I'd say for, for most Chelsea fans, the uncertainty probably lies within within the playing squad and then with also uh, Thomas Tuchel and, and just getting him nailed down. There's obviously been a bit of movement over the last couple of weeks. Looks like Rudiger is out the door. Or sorry, he is out the door. Christensen looks like he's following as does Azpilicueta. So that's three kind of mainstays from, from that back five have been pivotal over the last 12, 18 months, particularly in that Champions League success. And I think for the fans, they probably just want to make sure that they're not losing too many more and having to kind of rebuild and replace some of the key personnel within the squad. I think first and foremost, Raf, I think Tuchel needs to be, you know, his contract needs to be solidified. He's been, you know, instrumental since he's gone gone in. They were probably a bit all over the shop when Lampard left them. Um, put great kind of structure in and around the team, really good organization. And, you know, bar kind of a few blips this season, uh, potentially could have gone a little further in the Champions League and just obviously on the wrong side of two penalty shootouts within the, the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. So there's not a, a, a huge amount wrong. There's not a huge amount you need to fix. There's obviously probably a couple of question marks over the signing of Lukaku in particular and the fit within the squad. But um, you, yeah, you're probably just looking for for that structure to be solidified that the key personnel are staying and then the transition from Abramovich over to new owner takes place and make that as seamless as possible. But there's, you know, the games between Liverpool in, in the Carabao Cup final, the FA Cup final, were so tight. Even the two games in the league, they were both level uh, draws. There's there's not much to separate between the two sides on on any given day. So uh, they're not that far off. I think consistency in the league, they're they're quite a far bit behind the likes of City and Liverpool. But a couple of additions like we've seen in any squad can make a huge difference. And if, if they can have a good summer and if they can keep the core group together, well, then it, it thinks she'll be okay. But you do really want to see kind of that takeover kind of processed and gone through and, and move on to, to new beginnings. Yeah, it was just one one point on them as well. I think there was an interesting comment from Tuchel. He was um, just before the, or just in and around the FA Cup final where he was talking about, um, I think like he was aware that Lukaku's representatives were speaking to the new owners and that kind of communication issue there. Does it, I don't know if that leads to any sort of lingering concern about you know how you know how the how the new not necessarily how the new owners come in but just the new administration and just how communication happens behind the scenes yeah like Lukaku is a problem it really is a big problem when when you spend that much money on a, on a center forward and you're paying them the wages that you are paying them you really want to see a return on investment on on that signing and it just hasn't worked they look a far stronger team when Havertz plays through the middle they seem far more fluid and you can see in Lukaku in his performances that he is lacking quite a bit of confidence. Um, 
you, you know, we haven't seen any sort of the performances that you would have seen at Inter Milan. Is that because it's a step up from Serie A potentially, but basics of controlling the ball and passing the ball have been way off it from a Lukaku point of view. And, and that positions a problem within Chelsea about what it is you do with him, because what you don't want is what you mentioned there, Raf, is the interview with Sky Italia early on in the year. That really kind of threw them off course and there was a number of bad results that followed from there. And then you don't want kind of mutterings before an FA Cup final that just distracts the squad and distracts the players from what it is they're meant to be focusing on. So I, I'm not sure that that's a, a problem that exists within the squad and within the club. I think it does exist within Lukaku um, and how they rectify that situation, whether they kind of, you know, cut their losses and, and sell them at a discounted rate and kind of pay some of his wages between now and the end of his contract. That would be a huge loss to take. And um, with the financial situation and the way it is, are they able to do that? Or do they try to proceed with Lukaku? Do they build a squad around Lukaku? Does somebody like a Werner have to be shown the door in order to, to give Lukaku time? I'm not really sure. Um, and that is probably something that probably needs to be high on the priority list this summer, about actually rectifying that situation. Because you don't want to go into the second season and those mutterings becoming louder and louder. And it's happened wherever he's gone. Uh, same at Manchester United. Obviously, things are going well into it. You, you didn't hear, but when things go down, you do seem to hear a bit from Lukaku's entourage, and that is distracting for the squad. So, certainly something that needs looking at. Yeah, and uh, in the league, or in terms of the final week now that we're entering in the uh, in the Premier League, so Steven Gerrard could play a key role at both ends of the table. They're playing Aston Villa. His Aston Villa are playing Burnley uh, midweek, and then they have Manchester City on the final day so in essence uh, he could actually cost Manchester City the title if results go a certain way and at the same time help relegate Burnley Yeah I think he was uh, in his press comments during the week he was saying he doesn't really care about the subplots but uh, I can tell you now he definitely does he will be 100% uh, I suppose trying to motivate his players that little extra bit to try and get I suppose a result against City and see if he can get Liverpool the title I know uh, I'd say he spoke he spoke previously about his slip and how much it hurts him. So I suppose he very much sees this as an opportunity to I suppose get one back for Liverpool and hopefully in his eyes uh, win them the Premier League if if all going well on their end. Yeah, and then just in terms of shouts, because you know predictions are uh, predictions are a hard game and generally people always get them wrong. But there's no harm in doing them anyway. Um, so we have the uh, the Premier League, the top four, and the relegation battle. I might start with yourself, Anthony. Do you see any situation there where Jared actually does manage to uh, stop City in their tracks and then gives enough of a space for Liverpool uh, to go on and win the title? No, I don't. I, I think <laughs> I think they'll hammer Villa. Like I was watching uh, City West Ham yesterday. There's periods, maybe 15 minute periods, where West Ham don't get out with their half. Now West Ham are just about as organised a defensive structure as you'll see in the Premier League. Very, very well set up by David Moyes. They can, they, they rolled through those storms just about, got out with a point. They two great out balls in Bowen and um, Antonio. And I just don't think Villa have enough to, to get through that sort of pressure. It'll be the very same Sunday, maybe even worse, more even more intense from City's end. They're going for the league. Um, and I think, you know, if, you, if they have a 15, 20-minute spell where Aston Villa actually cannot get out with their half, um, you can see them maybe being three goals up inside 15, 20 minutes are, are capable. So I, I, I can't see it, Raf. Um, in terms of going down, I, I fear that Leeds are, I, I will say Leeds are going to go. Uh, I think Everton are okay. I, I think Everton will win. I think they'll beat Crystal Palace. And uh, then for top four, I think Tottenham are going to okay. sneak it. So that's... Yeah, and Carl, how do you see this going in terms of the top end, top four, and then the relegation? Yeah, pretty, I suppose for myself, I see City obviously winning it. I don't see anyone stopping them. Uh, I think Spurs are in the driving seat at the moment. I think they've that momentum behind them. And I think it's Newcastle for Arsenal, which is a sticky game. I think uh, I do think that Spurs will get the top four. And then I suppose for the bottom, I actually think Burnley will go down. I think uh, when you see the celebration they had against uh, Watford, Kind of reminds me of uh, when I was at Shelburne and we were celebrating after beating Sligo and we thought, okay, we've done it, we're safe. And next thing you know, you're in a dogfight and you've kind of, not not down tools, but you've kind of let maybe 5% off. And once you do that, it's kind of hard to get it back. So I actually think Burnley might go down as well. Yeah, and Paul, just those three things. 
Yeah, I fully fancy City for all the points that Anthony made there. Arsenal, it, it, it just stinks of a game where they're going to drop points tonight against Newcastle. Um, for some reason, I felt for the last number of months that they get top four, so I'm, I'm going to stick with that, Raph, now that I've come this far with it. And uh, I probably would check on that. I think Burnley will go down. I think Everton will, will win um, against, against Palace on, on Thursday night. And then I could see Burnley just losing their, their last two games. I kind of feel like that pe- that bit of momentum that they had over the last number of weeks has maybe just um, died away a bit. The last two games, they've been pretty poor. I thought they were poor against Tottenham on the weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were to lose their last two remaining games. And to be brutally honest, I, I probably want Burnley to go down out of, out of those three teams. I think Leeds and Everton offer a hell of a lot more. So I, I probably kind of like to see it go that way. Um, but... I mean, there's going to be so many twists and turns, isn't there? Both the top and the bottom between between now and the end of the season. So it'll be great to watch. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the only one of the main reasons I might want Burnley to stay up, and I don't. Again, I'm kind of neutral on it, but it will be Nathan Collins probably be the only thing. He he's been really good the last uh, the last few weeks since he's been since he stepped in. But a final point before we go on to more domestic matters, and it's uh, Holland or uh, Erling Holland who has just finished up at Dortmund. I was watching a part of his final game against Hertha Berlin, and he scored a penalty to finish things off. So obviously he's joining Manchester City, but. A lot of the question marks are in regards to how he's going to fit in there. Obviously, he's a top-class young player and he's only going to get better. But, Carl, just looking at him as a, as a striker and how he might fit into the way Pep works, do you see this being seamless? Yeah, I don't see an issue. I think when you look at, I suppose, players that sometimes take a while to adapt to the Premier League, it's kind of, it can be kind of like the Havertz, who I suppose aren't physically strong or maybe not used to such a high tempo but when you look at his goal returns not just in the Bundesliga but also in international football he, he's built for the Premier League he's strong he's quick he's a, a fantastic finisher and again he, he can vary his finishing up from I suppose uh, caressing the ball into the corner to absolutely breaking the net and taking the keeper with him so he's a uh, I don't see any issue in him, I suppose, with the amount of chances City can create with Kevin De Bruyne putting crosses in yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before he's but again, we all probably would have thought that about Lukaku at the start of the year. So sometimes it doesn't work, but with Haaland, I can't see why it wouldn't. Yeah, I think the only thing we can look forward to at least, well, actually not even look forward to, but kind of dread is the amount of promos they're going to have beforehand when the Manchester derby happens. And I know exactly what clip they're going to bring out. It'll probably involve his, uh, his father and a certain former Ireland captain. But anyway, uh, to the SSE Electricity League Premier Division over the weekend, uh, Finn Harps lost 1-0 to UCD at home. So that's a huge result for UCD, which we'll talk about shortly. Dundalk uh, beat Bohemians 3-1. Shelburne continue to win at home at Talk Park now with a 1-0 win at home to Roddy United. In the big game at the top, Shamrock Rovers beat Derry City 1-0 and then Sligo Rovers and St. Pat's drew 1-1 at the showgrounds on Saturday. So first we're going to talk about Rovers and Derry City, but let's listen to Danny Mandroyu and manager Stephen Bradley first on the Shamrock Rovers side. That's a super sub material there, isn't it? Yeah, you need to come on and do your job. You know, scoring goals is my job, so delighted to get the three points. How disappointed were you that you weren't starting? Oh, you're going to be disappointed when you're not starting, but come on and make an impact like that. Listen, it's all about the three points at the end of the day. I don't care. We got the three points, and so that's all. Were you impressed with Derry, though? Yeah, very impressed. I thought they were, they were excellent, well organised, but we go to the end. We don't stop until we win. And what about the atmosphere here tonight? Oh, Something special. Ele- electric, isn't it? It's like you won the league again, but unbelievable. The fans are great. Well, with performances like that, maybe you will again? Yeah, definitely. Who knows? Hope so. Tell us about the goal. Sorry? Tell us about the goal. Yeah, Andy Lyons was great. Comes inside. Keep my uh, fumbles it a bit, and I'm just, just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and you nearly got another one. Yeah, I think I could have had two. So, yeah, here, yeah, just delighted to get the three points. Well, well done tonight. Congratulations. Thanks. Cheers, thank you. Cheers. Congratulations, Stephen. Um, that was tight, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. To be honest, I thought Derry were very good first half. Uh, Alan makes a brilliant save for us to keep us in the game because we were really poor. They were very good um, and we stayed in the game. I suppose that's what champions do. And second half, we played for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes and we got a reward. The substitutes again made such a difference. It's really become a theme of the season, hasn't it? Yeah, we keep saying that we believe the squad is really, really strong. Um, and the subs are going to be just as important as the players that are starting. And, and, and he proved that again tonight. Danny Mandrew comes on, scores the goal. Could have had another. 
yeah, Danny should really be playing, but he's picked up a knock last week and we're just trying to mind him a little bit. But he's been fantastic. He gave us so much energy when he came on. Looked a real threat. He was very good. Did Derry surprise you? No, no, they didn't. They came and played. Uh, they came and pressed us like we knew they would. We were just really poor in the first half. We were sloppy, we were slow in what we did. Our decisions were poor. But they were very good, to be fair to them. And like I said, Alan kept us in the game in the first half. And the atmosphere here tonight really was special, wasn't it? Brilliant. Fantastic to see. Um, sell-out crowd, pitch, brilliant. Uh, two good teams and a way team that comes to win the game. Yeah, it was fantastic. Well done. Cheers, thank you. All right, that was Danny Mandroyu and also manager Stephen Bradley from the Shamrock Rovers side of things. We'll also have a clip of Will Patching from Derry City very, very shortly. So he was also speaking to Tony O'Donoghue at full time with the game live on RT2 and the RT player. But mm. first, um, on the, the the flow of the game, as, uh, as Tony asked uh, Stephen Bradley there, was he surprised by Derry City? He clearly isn't because he knows how good a team they are. And just looking at the flow of the game, Derry City were brilliant for probably an hour of that game. And then Shamrock Rovers uh, showed the performance of champions in a way by being able to dig their way back in and also with the depth that they showed. So, um, Paul, in terms of the flow of the game and how things changed, how did Derry first establish control? And then as the game wore on, how did Shamrock Rovers manage to flip the script? Good question, Raph. Um, I think Stephen Bradley mentioned in his interview there that you know Derry actually came to win the game, and you don't see that often with teams at Tala. A lot of teams sit sit in, play a bit of a low block. This is completely opposite with uh, with Roy Higgins and how his side set up. I mean, first and foremost, their energy about the park was was brilliant. Uh, I think they got into to Rovers' faces. They didn't let them play from the back that some teams do, and they went kind of man for man in the middle, and that probably shocked Rovers a bit, and they were struggling to get out of their own half. So when, when they didn't have the ball, their, their press was really well organized, really structured and worked really well. But I think when you, you flip that around, you look at how they played out from the back themselves. I thought they were excellent. The angles they offer each other. I think the, you know, the combinations they have, with the likes of um, Patching and, and Brandon Kavanagh in, in midfield work really well. And they've got some really creative players and kind of get them through the thirds to feed that front line in particular, kind of like McGonagall and Maddie Smith. And, probably just lacking maybe a bit more accuracy in the final third or actually just a bit more ruthlessness in the chances that they had, they would have been ahead. And if they'd gone ahead, they might've been, might've been difficult to peg back, but they just couldn't put the kind of final piece of jigsaw together to actually score in that first half because their performance with and without the ball was really, really strong. I was actually looking at it and I was thinking, you know, if there was one kind of facet to their game that they were missing, it was probably, somebody in the likes of, of uh, Michael Duffy uh, who's who's out at this moment in time, somebody who can maybe just burst past somebody or just be ruthless in front of goal. And I kind of felt as if they had that option in the final third, they may have probably gone in at, at half time ahead. But at half time, Shamrock Rovers maybe, you know, after being a bit frazzled, got to regroup, put a bit more structure on their play and uh, they looked far more organized in the second half. Now, they weren't, they weren't brilliant, Raph. It wasn't their finest performance, but they did enough to probably get themselves back into the game. And we keep going on about it, and Bradley went on about it in, in his post-match interview. The options they have off the bench is just so much stronger than any other team. If you're able to bring on Sean Kavanagh, Dylan Watson, Danny Mandreau, they probably start for most other teams in the league. And uh, it was Danny Mandreau who, who popped up with the goal. And, and that just bodes so well for the confidence of the team that they didn't play very well, but against their greatest rival, they were able to, to come away with three points. And if you just look at the swing of points over the last number of weeks, after trailing Derry by quite a number of points, now being what is a four points ahead, for me, it, it kind of has a feel that that was a massive momentum shift on Friday night. And I, I find, and I look at the table now, and I think Sean McGraw is going to be very hard to catch. Yeah, because in that span, as you said, four points clear for Shamrock Rovers. Derry City have picked up two from a possible nine and Shamrock Rovers have just been on a roll and that's kind of flipped the script because obviously they were chasing for a little bit. But, um, Carl, I think you said it before we hit record. It actually kind of reminded you of the kind of title races you were involved in when Cork City were going up against Dundalk. Yeah, it was. Look, again, we thought at the time with Cork that we had... I suppose the beating of Dundalk in a lot of games, but in the crunch games, more times than not, we would have played well, but they would have came out on top. And it just kind of reminded me of that, where Derry kind of played to their maximum. They played very, very well on the day, but it was Shamrock Rovers who come away with the three points. They they probably couldn't have played much worse. It's probably one of the worst they've played this season, but again, that comes down to Derry's press. But it's just what champions do. They go away, they find a way to grind it out while things aren't going well. They're hard to beat. 
I suppose they can thank Alan Manis for one or two good saves in the game as well. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Shamrock Rovers come away with the three points and it's just the the market champions. And I'm sure from now till the end of the season, they'll kind of kick on with that. And I'm, I'd say it would be tough for Derry. It'll give them good belief that, look, they're a good team and they certainly show they can play good football. But when it comes down to it, these are the big games and then three points, it's only three points, but it kind of means that little bit more that, I suppose it gives Shamrock Rovers the belief that look where the team to beat, and suppose for Derry it's it'll be a bit of a kick in the teeth. Now they played their best and came away with nothing. Yeah, and I think certainly from Will Patching, um, who was man of the match for Derry City afterwards and won the award, it was kind of clear from his face like just the kind of level of disappointment because he knew he they'd played well. So we might just listen to him first, and we'll talk a little bit about Derry City off the back of it. You were well in this game. Yeah, we was. You know, first half we played well. Second half they got on top of us a bit, but just got to take our chances when it matters. I suppose the quality of the substitutes did make a difference for Shamrock Rovers, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. They've got good quality, you know, even off the bench, so we always knew that. And, uh, and they managed to get one in the last last 10 minutes or what, whatever it was, yeah. I guess it proves, though, that there's not that much of a gap between the sides. No, that takes them four points ahead now, so it's definitely not over and it's a long season, so no, we'll be fighting till the end. Best of luck to you. Well done. Cheers, Mark. As Will Patching said there, it's definitely not over. Actually, one thing that was just kind of interesting there before we go more into Derry City was just the, the noise. He can barely hear the questions and uh, um, <laughs> I can barely hear his answers there. But Anthony, just the sense of occasion, there was a good build-up to it in the in the lead into the game and just even looking in looking at the images of the stands um, from the TV, like it just uh, it looked like the time, kind of top of the table game that we do want to plug. Absolutely. No, the, the league needs it, Raph. I mean, Carl talking about uh, the Cork City-Dundalk rivalry over the over a number of years and, and how great those games and intense those games were. And, you know, the, those two teams really drove each other on as well. Um, it was interesting after this game because Rory Higgins has been quite conservative about talk around Derry City, but he did say that, look, we're, we're close to being, I think he said, his exact words were, we're close to being a hell of a team. Um, so, you know, they can take a lot out of that Shamrock Rovers game. And I think they can actually take a good bit out of the Pats game as well, where they, they drew nil all, but it kind of looked like, you know, Pats, <laughs> at the start of the season, I would have rated as a team that can get involved in the title conversation. But they, you know, the respect that they showed Derry having been outplayed in Inchicore, you now they kind of, that was a real dogged, batting down the hatches type of performance from Pats up in, uh, up in Derry. And they, you get the sense that they are a, co- a coming team. As Paul says, you know, we still haven't seen Michael Duffy. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Patrick, Patrick McAvenny this season either. And I think when you look at Shamrock Rovers, you know, when we were given our title predictions at the start of the season, we were talking about Rovers, that, that knack of um, churning out wins, but also getting a lot of late goals. That is, a lot of that is down to, to squad depth. I mean, you're, you're bringing on the likes of Mandro, uh, Graham Bork, you know, they, these are serious footballers to be bringing on in the second half of games or, you know, 20, 15, 20 minutes to go where players are getting a little bit fatigued. Um, and it's just that little bit. That's that's the last little gap to bridge at the top. And it's the hardest gap to bridge. I think with Derry this season, and again, you know, Rory Higgins did reference this, like it, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't happen this season. You know, this they might just have to maybe go close or hit the woodwork one year before they actually do it and really really push Rovers close so I think we saw the two best teams in the country on Friday night uh, it's an exciting time for Derry uh, they got some really good players they get they play a good brand of football as well and I you know I, I think we're, it's not that we haven't seen the last of their enforcements either you know they, we could see another player or two coming in even in, in the summer just to, to freshen them up so it's it's good times and as I said it's, it is it's, it's good for the league it's good to, for the division to have two very good sides duking it out at the top of the table. So it's what we all want to see. Yeah, as Anthony and Carl said there, you know, this is sort of only the beginning for Derry City, uh, Paul. So there's a there's a sense of a proper rivalry growing here because Derry City obviously have the investment and the structures are being put in place and they're probably the coming team for, for the next few seasons. So this is just the beginning of a, of a rivalry between Derry and Shamrock Rovers. 100%. And you mentioned it there, after the resources are there to actually add to the squad. You know, they, they've got good financial backing behind them. So if they do need to bring in extra players or extra resources, you would imagine that the support is going to be there. <clears throat> I think when you look at the squad on Friday night as well, it's quite a good age profile amongst the players. You know, you're not looking at a team that's 
maybe going to have to be chopped up and added to over the next two, three years. You've got a really good foundation there of players who are probably kind of coming into their prime, supported by a number of players, young upcoming players who've, who've shown great potential. So if you can add to that squad, they're not going to be far off. And if they can get McElhenney and, and Duffy back and fit, that's going to be a huge bonus to them as well. So like Anthony mentioned there, it, maybe it's a case that they go close this year. You'd certainly fancy them for a good run in the cup as well with, with the squad and the performance that they put into date. But um, yeah, there's certainly signs that they're going to progress. I mean, Friday night was a clear indication that they've progressed a lot over the last number of months. Roy Higgins, as well as it probably can't go under the radar without giving him a shout out. The work he's done there um, is certainly evident in their play. So if, if they do add, which you would imagine they will, just to kind of get them that bit closer... Um, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how this one kind of meanders over the next 12, 18 months. Yeah, so four points the gap at the top now with Shamrock Rovers leading after the last couple of weeks and that one of three games. Uh, Paul, obviously, as a former UCD player as well, it'll be interested to get your take on their victory at Finn Harps because we've been kind of talking about the difficult season they've had. They hadn't been able to pick up a win. A lot of good draws at home. And then suddenly, um, you know, Liam Kerrigan pops up with a, with a much-needed goal and an excellent finish as well. And, you know, they're there's a hope now obviously they're probably going to lose a couple of their best players now going forward but there is a little bit of hope now that maybe they can avoid uh, the drop looked, it looked ominous probably about three four weeks ago when they just weren't picking up points anywhere and uh, i think the last time i was on with you raf we were with darts and i was saying the thing about ucd is they can pop up with some freakish results against some of the bigger teams and obsess sides and pick up points when you least expect them to and that probably lends itself to that Dundalk result where yes of course Dundalk went down to 10 men but they managed to peg them back and they picked up a point and that would have done wonders for the confidence of the squad and they've probably taken that into the game against Finn Harps which was essentially not a, not a must win but it was a bit of a six point already in the season and it was uh, good to see them go up there and get three points and it actually gets them now within kind of reachable distance to Finn Harps that they can kind of cling on to them and, and, and stay with them now for a number of weeks. And if they were to pick up a couple of results, well, confidence will start to build. And, you know, UCD is always made up of, of a huge number of younger players within the squad. So is it a surprise that they lost the first couple of games while getting used to the Premier Division? Probably not. Is there a chance that they could pick up a number of points over the next couple of weeks? Yes, yes, there is. You would have to say that. But what's I guess essential for UCD is that they hold on to Kerrigan and Whelan. Uh, you know, the, the win has come from Kerrigan goal. I think both goals came from Whelan against Dundalk. If they want to have any chance of staying in the division, they're going to have to hang on to them. And you would imagine Shamrock Rovers are probably going to come calling for, for both of those players, particularly with the success that they've had with the likes of Farouja O'Neill, Scales and the relationship that obviously exists between the two clubs. If Rovers were to sign them and, and maybe... Whelan and Kerrigan stay there for the next six months of the season. Well, maybe that might be a, a win-win for, for both teams. But the performances seem to improving. They're picking up points. If they can, if they can, you know, latch on to Finn Harps and stay with Finn Harps, well, you, you never know. They they might still have an opportunity of staying in because it did look ominous a couple of weeks ago, but there's certainly progress there. Yeah, definitely looking good for them. Finn Harps, we'll probably talk about in the as, in, over the next couple of weeks as well because they've got some important games. They're playing Drada very soon as well. And they're just, you know, they're both Drada, we'll talk about a little bit later on as well because they're, they've started to slip a little bit and they're they're still out a little bit out of range of UCD, but it's only five points or so of a difference. But let's talk about Dundalk and Bo. So Dundalk beating Bohemians 3-1, having gone a goal down, then fighting back. And we'll talk about their home record very shortly. But first, here's Stephen O'Donnell. The Dundalk head coach. Look, we like if we'd lost the game tonight, we wouldn't approach training any differently next week or approach the games next week any different differently. We sort of believe in what we're doing in the process, and um, I'd like to think there is, but you know, we're, we're very happy where we're at. Um, as I keep saying, there was two players and two younger players signed uh, in um, December, middle of December, and pre season started the start of January. So we've, we've a good squad assembled and, and really talented players and really. Brilliant players to work with, really good attitude, and they keep sort of coming in every week, really grinding, grinding, and grinding. You know. And mention of signing players, will you be in the market come the, the transfer window? I think every you always have your your ears open and your eyes open, um, and seeing what's available. So we'll be no different. We'll see where we're at. But as I said, I'm really enjoying working with the current group of players. Yeah, and Stephen, of course, it's a, a trip to Derry next for you. 
Yeah, what about my, that? Self-explanatory. One of my obviously one of my good friends, uh, Rudy's doing a brilliant job there. I think they were well in the game tonight and, and could have got something from it. So Brandywell's one of the toughest, if not the toughest, places to go in the league. And um, as I said, they're, 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 Rudy's doing a brilliant job there. They're a really strong team, really good team, lots of good individuals. So um, you know we're under no illusions. The task next week, but we're really looking forward to it. Derry are getting back, getting good crowds now, so it'll be great atmosphere to play in. Okay, so that is Dundalk head coach Stephen O'Donnell speaking to Adrian Eames after the 3-1 win over Bohemians. So, Carl, from Dundalk's point of view, obviously the draw against UCD last time out would have been quite a setback, having been in good form previous to that. But home comfort seemed to seem to suit this Dundalk team well. They've been, you know, they've been in good form, at least at Oriel. Yeah, they've been in good form in general. Uh, I think Stevie went in and it's going to take him a, a bit of time again. He's going to be, I suppose, assessing all the players he's got. Uh, I suppose not just for this season, but mainly for next. I know he would have probably looked at this season as a season to build. Next year, probably a season to start to challenge. And then the following year, okay, I need to start to try to win uh, competitions. I think the style of football he's got them playing at the moment is fantastic. When you look at the Robbie Benson goal, it was a thing of beauty. And again, I know everyone would have been looking at the keyboard passes. Obviously, it was a sensational, a fantastic pass. But I look at the, the goal scorer for the first goal, Pat Oban, and his hold of play, what he brings to that Dundalk team, not just goals, but the man's been doing it for year in, year out now, goals, and his, his all-around link-up play is, for, for me as a striker, if I was a winger playing with him or a number 10 playing with him, I you couldn't ask for a better teammate to play with his hold of play and how he kind of takes the, the, the pressure off you in terms of exposed to centre-backs to be more so worried about what he's doing. It, it just gives, I suppose, so much freedom to attackers to make runs off and because how good he holds it up and obviously because how good he is in the air. But Stevie's building something as building something that they're going quite well at the moment. And I think, uh, I suppose, the dog fans will be quite happy with how things have started with him. Yeah, which will be probably in contrast to Bohemians fans. So let's listen to Keith Long, who was also speaking to Adrian Eames after that result. Uh, we're very disappointed. Um, disappointed with the performance. Uh, we can have no complaints. Uh, we lacked energy, lacked intensity, um, which is disappointing because we played so well last week and we wanted to try and build upon it. Training's been good. Um, but we fell flat tonight. Why do you think that was? Because you started the match very well, you got the goal after 15 minutes, but I guess Dundalk really came at you in the second half. But the first half display, there were encouraging signs there for you, weren't there? Um, we got ahead, but I don't think... Um, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I don't think we played to, to what, what we did previously, um, what we did last week, even in the first half when we're 1-0 one, one ahead. Um, I thought we were... Uh, particularly wasteful in terms of uh, turning over the ball in transition so um, we got to secure the first pass in order to try and build counter attacks um, we were very good at that last week and we didn't quite do that tonight so our first pass after turnover was 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 error strewn we gave the ball away a little bit we didn't capitalise in those moments um, and we didn't quite work you know Dundalk enough um, and, and like I said we lacked a little bit of intensity, a lot of intensity, a lot of energy around the team, and and like I said, I don't think it was just uh, the second half. I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, throughout the game, really. If I'm being honest. All right, so that is Bohemians manager Keith Long speaking after that uh, defeat to Dundalk and Anthony. I suppose you can just listen to his voice to get a gauge of the frustration. Like it's quite obvious there, you know, the inconsistency is the thing. There doesn't seem to be a pattern in terms of results. They can be quite good some weeks and then. They can't seem to follow it up in a kind of in a long term in a long term way. Yeah, uh, frustration definitely in, in Keith Long's interview there. I think that's five times now, Raf, where they've been ahead in matches this season and then lost the game. Um, and then there's been other games where they've been in winning positions and maybe ended up drawn. So um, I think like, the, the Benson goal for Dundalk was absolutely brilliant move. But it was naive. Like there was a naivety sometimes with balls defensively, where they did kind of get pulled out of position. I think the right back sort of rushed into to an area that he didn't need to go, and then suddenly they're, they're exposed. So, um, but look, I, I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to put your finger on because I've seen them at times this season and, and been and thought they look like a, a solid, decent outfit. Um, maybe it's a little bit of belief 
you know, again, if you look at the type of players that they lost from the dressing room from last season, um, it might just take a little bit of time to gel and, and the chemistry might be a little off. Maybe there's a lack of leadership at times. Um, I, just, I mean, you'd back Keith Long to, to steady them and, and see them out to have a solid enough campaign, but it is up and down for bowls at the minute. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels like they're kind of meandering a little bit. Um, maybe he'd like to bring in another player or two to try and stiffen them up for the second half of the campaign. But it is like it's frustrating when you're like that, especially when you're giving away leads. You know, that it does affect confidence. You start to maybe internally or subconsciously think that you can't close certain games out. But look, don't forget, like you're going to Oriel Park. It's it's not a, it's a hard place to go. Um, Dundalk are an improving outfit. They're starting to come together a bit. Um, you know they've, they've they've got some very good players, obviously. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they react over the next few weeks. In contrast, then Shelburne are uh, a lot more confident now, especially at home where they've gone. It's like buses almost. You know the the cliche of uh, you wait for you wait for so long and then two come come along uh, at once. And they've now a second home win in a row this time against Drada, winning one nil and Sean Boyd again um, proving crucial in terms of finding the net. Uh, Paul. Again, they seem to be turning things around there. Yeah, they do, Raf. And uh, I say nothing will, will please the Shells management team more than a clean sheet as well. Uh, I think that's, you know, they've been quite leaky, particularly at home over over the course of the season. So that will certainly build confidence. And, um, you know, when you got somebody who's banging form like Sean Boyd at the moment, it certainly helps that he probably feels like he doesn't need too many chances to actually score a goal. So there, Shamrock Rovers, while, while Sean was there and, when I went in, I was I was really excited by the by the potential of him, and you know he certainly had kind of the attributes of a striker that you would say, God, he's he's got a real good chance of progressing through the game. Injury and, and maybe falling out of favour, Chamak Rovers maybe halted that progression, but he certainly seems like over the last number of weeks and months he, he seems quite at home at Shelburne. And uh, you know when you've got somebody, Sheppy, I'll talk to you about this, but a striker playing in form with confidence. Uh, it certainly helps, and you can see that in in his all round play. Uh, you know, he's he's good at holding the ball up. He can run in behind, and he's probably scored a variety of goals, both inside and outside of the box, over the last number of weeks. Whereby you, you think if if Shells can continue to supply him, well, then he's got a chance of scoring goals. But they've they've had a, a weird enough season. Uh, you know, they've probably popped up with with big wins when we didn't expect it, and then dropped some silly points. So if they can turn some of those losses into draws. You can probably see them maybe latching onto that middle group. That the division already kind of has almost three tiers to it. We've got the top two, the bottom two, and then there's a pack of teams who are just kind of littered with inconsistency throughout the season and can't just seem to put a good run of form together. So um, yeah, it, that that project seems to be taking shape quite well. Uh, you can certainly see what it is they're trying to do in their play, and uh, that's being reflected now in in picking up more points. So it's uh, it's boding well. It's boding well for, for shells at this moment in time. Yeah, and then finally on the Premier Division, uh, Drada United. Um, as I said, we might touch on them a little bit because they had they were actually quite good in terms of just picking up points here and there earlier in the season, and they've just gone on a little run now, four defeats in a row, and have slipped back closer to where Finn Harps are, and then obviously UCD not not a million miles away. Uh, and but obviously uh, Finn Harps and uh, Drada facing each facing each other now uh, this coming Friday, so huge game for both Anthony. Yeah, it is. No, it's exactly as Paul says. Like, it's a mini league now, really, at the bottom. That three, I thought Wales might get sucked into it, but they've kicked on now with a couple of wins and, and could potentially peel themselves away from that. Look, Drada, the quality Drada lost in the offseason, you know, James Brown and Joe Redmond, who's been excellent for Pats, uh, Doyle as well, who's, who's done well for Pats. Um, you know, maybe it's just starting to catch up on them a little bit. They've also, you know, been unlucky as well with injuries. They're missing Adam Foley. He's been injured. He was a good, um, you know, he's a, he's a good out ball up, up front. He's, he's a bit of physicality and he's a good runner as well. Darren Markey's been injured. Uh, they're just conceding too many goals. They're conceding too many goals at the minute. They, they need to find a way to tighten up. It's just a massive game for them against Harris because it could be like ultimately those games, UCD, Harp, Strada, I mean, that, that ultimately could settle it towards the end of the season um, and they'll know that so you know look they'll kick on into that game and if they could get three points there that's that's another massive shot in the arm because it might just trigger another little two three game spell where they 
pick up three, four games. They might pick up seven points. You know, that those little sports might just be enough to get you away from that bottom two and get you over the line. But yeah, look, it's it's it was always going to be a tough campaign for Drada, and I I do think like I did fear for them at the start of the season. Um, I think stating the obvious here, I I, I can't see UCD lifting themselves. I think UCD will will lose the two lads, uh, Whelan and Kerrigan. And it's very difficult to see them hoist themselves away from the bottom if that's the case. And then after that, it's it's between uh, Harps and Drogs for the bottom two, you know. And you know, could you bet against Ali Horgan? He's done it so many times. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Look, I would, it, it, it's going to be great. It'll be a proper blood and thunder six pointer game that Harps and Drogs. Yeah. And what they're trying to avoid is drop to the first division where the results this weekend were. Wexford losing 4-0 at home to Galway, who joined Cork City, level on points at the top, with Cork having a bye week, and then Waterford beating Cove Ramblers 4-2, so Waterford in third and seemingly back in form in terms of uh, picking up results, and then Treaty United and Bray Wanderers drew 2-2, and then Athlone Town lost uh, 2-1 at home to Longford Town in the Midlands Derby. But first, um, just on Galway, because Cork City had a, had a bye week, and Galway United have been keeping pace with them carl um what like obviously look you know um you know john caulfield very well in terms of what he brings to an outfit um he seems to have galway in brilliant form and it's you know it's a proper two horse race in that division um what's he done to kind of create that atmosphere at galway yeah well first of all he's had a i suppose a bit of a tactical master class in he put stephen walsh up front someone who's probably not played up front for maybe since I played with him about 10 years ago, he's played centre half and left back and all of a sudden John's put him up front. I think he has eight league goals this season, which is a phenomenal return for what was essentially a defender to go up front. He's he's made them hard to beat and they're now playing, I suppose, with a, I suppose, uh, I suppose what some might say is a bit of a direct football approach, but again, it's certainly working for them and uh, I suppose they're, picking up points and they're staying with Cork which is I suppose a testament to them considering how good Cork have started and how strong I suppose their investment has been Yeah and then at the bottom end of the first division so Athlone Town and uh, they parted ways with Martin Russell last month there hasn't been a replacement um, brought in yet but um, Carl I know your name in the papers at least online as well was one of the names linked with the vacancy uh, in terms of what you can probably say about it or not uh, how much truth is there to the um, you know the view that there was there is interest in you and possible interest from you in uh, taking on that sort of position? Yeah look I, I suppose there's no point in hiding it myself and Karen Kalof are extremely interested in the role uh, I suppose not much more I can say than that other than it is we've watched them almost every game they've played this season up to this point and I believe there's a lot to work with there we're extremely interested but look it's uh, other than that at the moment there's not much else I can really say that it is something we are interested in Okay, so we have our news line there, so we'll we'll park that there. So obviously, uh, interest from yourself uh, in regards to the Athlone Town vacancy. Obviously, Athlone also involved in the Women's National League. And uh, from there, obviously, there's a lot of interesting results. And we've also got a clip of Saoirse Noonan coming up. But in terms of results, anyway, Cork City, uh, with a new manager in charge, lost 2-1 at home to Wexford Youths. Galway beat Treaty United 3-0. Bohemians uh, lost 3-0 at home to champions Shelburne who continue on their merry way at the top and then P-Mount after the defeat to Shelburne last week lose again and this time to Athlone uh, 1-0 at home and then DLR Waves uh, uh, beat Sligo Rovers 3-2 so let's listen to Shelburne's uh, Saoirse Noonan after the win at Bowes she was speaking to Jonathan Higgins Saoirse was the Dublin Derbys are always going to be difficult they certainly asked you questions at the start but uh, the longer it went on the more your class showed I thought yeah, look, I think we found it hard to find our feet in the first few minutes. Um, it was a warm day as well, but look, we got the first half goal and I think we went in at half time, settled ourselves down, talked about things that we had to change. We came out in the second half and absolutely did and look, what a brilliant win. You seem to be starting to, and the more you got control of the game, set pieces, you seem to be creating more and more problems from them as well. Yeah, look, I think we just couldn't get going the first half. I think we were under hitting passes. We weren't reading each other well off the ball. Um, the pitch was holding up a bit and it was just kind of everything was going wrong for us but we kept the heads we kept going and 
yeah, look, I think once we got that first goal, we relaxed and we started to find each other more and start playing football. Your goal as well took about a beautiful finish. I think you just kind of went outside of the right on it there. Yeah, I think, look, Noel's class player and I, I knew she was going to try to put it into the box. Um, when I cut across the defender, I just saw I had to direct towards the goal and I was lucky it went in. And then in the second half, you took control and you know the goals started to come in and you were quite dominant in the second half, I thought. Yeah, look, we're a footballing side. Um, we like to keep the ball on the floor. We like to pass it around players. And I think, I think it was the second or third goal we did that as well down, down the right side. And it's just brilliant just to see, see, I suppose, a women's side doing that now. And it's not just hooking the ball. And yeah, look, I love playing with Chelsea. I love passing the ball and creating like little link-ups. And you see that all day long in this team. Yeah, speaking of the link-ups, yourself and Noel, she's such a skillful player as well. But you do seem to match each other quite well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, as I said at the start, we kind of struggled to find each other and we weren't we weren't working. But as the game went on, it started. It kind of comes natural to us. And um, as I said, we both like the ball to feet. We're not really the quick runners in behind. And yeah, look, we let our feet do the f- play the game, and that's how we create the chances. And then on a personal note, how are you coming back from injury, back on loan as well? Here, are you enjoying your time again? Yeah, yeah, I'm loving it. Look, as I said, it's days like this you love, and when you're scoring goals, it makes it all the better, and that's what it's about. And particularly in the team, top of the table, and uh, seemingly winning game after game. Yeah, like I think coming into the season there was a bit of pressure on ourselves, I suppose, from being champions last year. And we know, I suppose, last year we kind of it was out of our hands in a way. And this year we started off the league saying it's in our hands now, and that's that's where we're going to go forward. And we have a big game next week now, so push on from here. All right, so that is Shelburne, Saoirse Noonan after a, another vital win for Shelburne, beating Bohemians 3-0 and coupled with the result for Mount losing to Athlone. Anthony, it's been a, in terms of a turnaround because we were building up to the, the massive game between the top two, for which occurred last weekend, of course, and then suddenly, almost like in the men's Premier Division, there's been that massive turnaround in a short space of time and the narrative has sort of changed. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there's plenty of road to go here as well. I mean, remember the last season, the climax of that division was unbelievable. But there'll be plenty of twists and turns. And I think Wexford Youths, they were actually, they were very, very close last season, Wexford Youths. So they're not talked about as much, but they were only a couple of results from really having a chance of winning it on the last day. They only ended up four points or five points off the off shells who won it. So um, I'd expect a few more twists and turns, but, you know, shells have a little buffer now. and. Uh, you know, if they're not, if, if they're beating the likes of P-Mount and Wexford, um, you know, it's hard to see where they're going to drop too many points. But look, as I said, after last season, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't bet against, as I said, a few more major twists and turns along the way in that title race. Yeah, and a little bit further down from the title race, of course, Emily Corbett got the winner for Athlone, but they've been quietly impressive in fourth there, and maybe they would have gone under the radar ahead of the season, but uh, between themselves and DLR Waves and Galway as well, I suppose we can add in, they're in that mix for the uh, you know the battle beneath the bottom three. Yeah, I mean, there's there's improving teams in the division, and, and they are one of them. You know, it's good to see Bohemians as well have, have improved. Um, it's like a Rovers are doing well in, the, in their first season, so now that's good. It's good for the league. It's good for the for the division for across the board for the quality to come up together. And um, yeah, as you say, Athlone are making good strides, which is which is good, positive. Yeah, and uh, this weekend's fixtures. So as we uh, finish up here, so in the men's Premier Division, so UCD um, at the bottom facing the uh, table toppers Shamrock Rovers. So it'll be a tough game for UCD as they try and uh, maintain the momentum from getting their first win of the season against Finn Harps. And then on Friday, or sorry, that game is on the Thursday. And then on the Friday, uh, Derry City hosting Dundalk, as Stephen O'Donnell alluded to in the clip earlier on. And then Bohemians taking on Sligo Rovers, also 7.45 p.m. kickoff. And and then uh, Drogheda United and Finn Harps also facing each other. As we said, it's a huge game for both as they try and push away from that relegation playoff spot. And then St. Pat's against Shelburne in a Dublin derby. And then on Monday, there's also a full set of fixtures too. So Drogheda United against Shamrock Rovers, Shelburne against UCD, St. Pat's against Bowes, Sligo Rovers against Derry City, Finn Harps against Dundalk. And then in the first division, we have Cork City against Wexford, Galway against Athlone, Treaty United against Cove Ramblers and then on the Saturday um, Longford Town against Waterford and then in the Women's National League this Saturday coming, Shelburne against DLR Waves, Sligo Rovers against Cork City Galway against Bowes and then Wexford against P-Mount and Athlone against 
Treaty United, which almost brings us to a close. But just even reading out those fixtures and the amount of weeks where we've had that Friday to Monday um, sort of turnaround, Paul, it's uh, it's hard on the legs. And then we'll once we get to the European season as well, um, just at the top end of the Premier Division, it'll probably separate out those teams that obviously have more depth from the ones that, uh, you know, where it's a little bit tighter. Yeah, and those those six points, if you are to put back-to-back wins together, can have a, a major improvement on, on your standings within within the league table. I guess it is an important run-in now. I think there's three games before the mid-season break, so there's a number of teams there. You think the likes of the likes of a Bowes or, or the likes of a Finn Harps or Drada or even further up the table where they're in need of results. And uh, this is obviously kind of like a a good time of year where if you can put some some good performances and points on the table, it, it kind of gives you a breath of confidence going into the break whereby you can come back into the second half of the season with maybe looking up as opposed to looking down. So, uh, yeah, some some really important fixtures and important times coming together for, for some certain squads and also going to be a test on on the strength and depth of, of those teams. And naturally enough, the ones with the greater resources are probably going to pick up more points than the ones who are kind of having to use the same eleven. Um, two fixtures over four days so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens um, I fully believe that Shamrock Rovers are probably going to pull away from here and, and whether or not Derry can stick with them will probably be uh, the question and then the the fight for, for third and fourth for, for those European spots will be interesting as well so see if the likes of uh, Dundalk can kind of pick up on the improvement that they've shown as Shep mentioned and uh, then obviously very interesting down, down the bottom end of the table yeah, and then obviously Carla is supposed to finish off as well. Um, as said there, it's probably depth that it's gonna that's gonna separate teams out, and obviously we're getting closer and closer to the period where squads will be changing. There's going to be that little bit of recruitment, so uh, I'm sure uh, managers and uh, different intermediaries are fairly busy at this moment in time. Yeah, I'd say it's a, a very big, I suppose, a week and a half, two weeks for for Derry. I know uh, Rory's probably, I suppose, we've all everyone's kind of heard about the. The vast amount of money he apparently has at his disposal, but uh, you look at the next three games, and it could be potentially make or break. Shamrock Rovers have three very winnable games uh, for Derry. Each game is very difficult that they have coming up. Obviously, they have Dundalk, then Sligo, and then I suppose the the Derby against Van Harps. And you look at them going, they're potentially three games where they could drop points, and uh, if they can hang on, if they can possibly get three wins or stay close to Shamrock Rovers, they could possibly strengthen in the window and then obviously have a good, I suppose, kick on from there. For me, the big worry would be for UCD over anyone else. They, It looks very much nailed on that they were going to, I suppose, lose their two best players in this window. And I suppose for them, they, they would have had to get a nice point gap between themselves and possibly second bottom to kind of have any realistic hope of possibly not coming rock bottom. But it looks like Kerrigan will go and Wheel and probably will too as well. Yeah, so we'll see how that uh, that pans out. Plenty of weeks still to go before we get to that. And obviously we're getting closer to an international break, which we'll be talking about probably from next week onwards with Ireland back in action in the Nations League. But for today, that is it. Anthony Pine, thanks a million for coming on. And then Carl and Paul, thanks for your time. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. Thanks.